Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel. It's almost the end of the week. It's Thursday. I have trivia tonight. I missed it last week because of, uh, man, it's been a week now since I had those food poisoning issues. Time is flying, people. Just flying. Truthfully. Unbelievable. I don't know where it goes. But I'm going to start off. I got to see this Saturday Night Live video of Melissa McCarthy portraying Sean Spicer. I guess it must run about eight minutes. I guess that's pretty long, it seems, for a Saturday Night Live skit. I have no idea. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live since mid-90s, maybe. I'm such a geek. I am such a geek. Um... It was it was okay. It was funny. I, I it got a lot of attention, obviously. I got to watch it on YouTube. And I think the reason that it's funny is because it's so close to the truth. The best kind of humor is that kind that walks the fine line between fiction and fact. And in fact, of course, many comedians are always in the factual world. Uh, like Jerry Seinfeld, for example, he just looks at the world and points out he doesn't have to exaggerate anything. He just points out things that we kind of miss in our everyday lives that he points out and says, well, that's kind of strange. And the rest of us just miss it. And then we think, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird. And then it's funny. And that's why he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. And I think that's also why his show was so good, because he had caricatures of people we all have in our everyday lives. Man hands, close talker, low talker. You know, just things that we all know and that's why that show made him you know a mountain of money and continues to be so uh, good in syndication. Of course the characters are good, but what they get into everybody can relate to. It's re- very based in reality. Whereas, let's compare something like Three's Company, which is also funny, and it, it is about people living, you know, renting an apartment, and, and everybody, I think, at one time or another knows about that. But that's a little bit more in the fiction world because it's more slapstick, but once again, a very popular show at the time. With Melissa McCarthy playing Sean Spicer. It is that walking that fine line between you could look at that and you start to wonder at least a couple points. Is that Sean Spicer or is that somebody just playing Sean Spicer? And the mannerisms, the word he used, that's your word. That's your word. I'm, I'm the only reason I'm saying it is because it's your word. Remember, you're, it's your word. And then he takes the she or she takes the podium out into and you know, pushes people around with it. Uh, you can almost actually see that happening with Sean Spicer. And really, it, it the, the skit was so good that since then, in the last five days, you now hear these stories about how the White House is now going to put the reins on Sean Spicer just a little bit. Now, what the funny thing about, I guess from my understanding, is that Sean Spicer loved it. Uh, he shouldn't love it. Okay, it's it's kind of Sean Spicer loved it and Donald Trump hated it. 
Whereas if either of them had any self-respect, Sean Spicer should, should hate it and Donald Trump should find it funny. It's funny how it's, you know, Sean Spicer doesn't realize how, fi- how close to the truth they got it and how much of an idiot he has made himself look in the, la- in the first two weeks. Meanwhile, I think as president, you can't have, be so thin-skinned to the point where a, a, a caricature of somebody that's pretty accurate is going to rub you the wrong way. But that's of – course, of course, that's who Donald Trump is, so that's how we react. So in my opinion, how each of those guys reacted should have been the opposite. Sean Spicer should look at that and say – Maybe I do need to change it up a little bit because, you know, I compare it to, um, you know, it's all funny until people can't tell the difference. And I think of going back to the hair bands of the 1980s, a decade where I graduated from high school in 1989. So I was, as a teenager, I was right smack in the middle of the birth of hair bands in the 80s, of Motley Crue, and Poison, and Def Leppard. And of course, as you know, it comes up once in a while. I still listen to Iron Maiden, which really is not a hair band, was not a hair band. But that's my favorite group these days. And they're coming to Tampa, by the way, this summer. I'm going to go. I had to go to a whole way to Sunrise, Florida, which is essentially Miami, to see them last year, about a year ago now. Uh, they're coming to Miami. They're coming to the arena where the Tampa Bay Lightning play. So I'm going to go. In any case, what happened was in the 1980s is that it was all good. I mean, those bands sold millions and millions and millions of records. Very popular. And I hope people you know who are younger, they have to realize that. You may look at that back at that time and say, man, that was really weird. Guys running around in spandex. It was very popular. They were great musicians, and they sold tons and tons of music. But then they got to be caricatures of themselves. It was one outdoing the other to the point where it was, is this a real band or is it fake? And of course, there was that movie, This is Spinal Tap, which is hilarious. you got to remember, that movie came out in what, 1983, 1984? But it just got to the point with hair bands, got to 1989, 90, 91. You really couldn't tell the difference. It was, is this really real or is this just some act? And then, of course, grunge came along and, it, and, and hair bands were ripe for the picking. That's what I feel is already going on, at least with Sean Spicer, in this administration. In that, is it real or is it Memorex? To go back to a, a ad from the 1980s. And that... Can usually it's usually the death knell of something, and I know he's only been there a couple weeks, but I don't, but I don't think that you can have a spokesman for the president who so easily can be parodied. Now Saturday Night Live is always going to give it give politicians and especially Republicans their best shot. And there, there's nothing you can do about that, and that's perfectly fine in our country of, of freedom of speech. But if 
skit, if somebody you have in your administration can be parodied a little too easy, then that usually means bad things for that person, usually. Uh, They parodied George W. Bush's, uh, I I believe, spokesmen's. They, of course, parodied George W. Bush himself and, of course, never got out that he minded that much. And Will Ferrell, you know, portraying him as as a complete doofus and and all that. And if you have thin skin like this administration has, when people see your weakness like comedians – they are going to go after it and go after it hard. Likewise, if you're somebody who can be parodied too easy, you also are going to have problems, especially if you're in a position that's supposed to be seen as serious. I think it's fine that Sean Spicer has a sense of, personally, he has a sense of humor about it, but for the administration, I don't know how good it is that he has a sense of humor about it. Likewise, I'm glad that Donald Trump feels like he has to come to the defense of his press secretary. It's a natural inclination, but it cannot come across as he's coming across as being so thin-skinned about it. And within all of that, you see the problem that I have with this administration, not just with possible policy issues, but personality issues. But we'll see. I, I thought the skit was funny. Uh, I, I laughed at a couple things. I thought it ran a little long. And I'm just not a huge Saturday Night Live fan. And and truth be known, I'm not even that big of a stand-up comedian fan. I have a couple routines over the years that have caught my eye. That's about it. I'd rather watch Jerry Seinfeld do his show Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee than watch his stand-up. I think that that Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee thing is awesome. Maybe because I love cars and I just like them just sitting around unscripted and just funny things happening and talking about their lives, things behind the scenes. That's what I take an interest in. I don't really care if I ever get to see any of these those people on that show doing stand-up or anything. But I do love Seinfeld, but that's more of a show than a stand-up comedy routine. Just me. Let's move on to something else. Neil Gorsuch. This is uh, interesting. And I, I, this is going to be – I know that it was uh, Rush Limbaugh who started the whole a big I told you so. Well, I'm going to show you why this is – I'm going to have my own big I told you so here in a moment regarding all of this. Neil Gorsuch it was having a meeting, and he expressed – the the words that, that he said that Trump's words were disheartening and demoralizing regarding what Trump said about this Ninth Circuit Court judge who has suspended Donald Trump's immigration ban. We've all heard about that now. It's been going on for what a week now or whatever. And and Trump came out and tweeted this so-called judge. He tweeted that out. And Neil Gorsuch was somewhere. It's not part of his – it's not officially part of his nomination process. But if you don't know, before you ever see what eventually goes on the record, 
with the nominee sitting there in front of these senators and asking him questions and everything. He, the, the nominee goes to each one of these senators. They talk behind closed doors. They ask him questions, you know, kissing butt, kissy, kissy, brown nose and type of stuff. It was in one of these sessions that he was – Neil Gorsuch was asked about what he thought about Donald Trump's words. And Neil Gorsuch said that Trump's words were – let me get it right – disheartening and demoralizing. And a senator who was there whose last name is Blumenthal, not Sidney Blumenthal, Richard Blumenthal, went out and blabbed that Neil, this is what Neil Gorsuch said. And Trump, in response, attacked this senator for doing for doing that. And, and to essentially, essentially, Trump's saying, I don't really believe that Neil Gorsuch said that. Well, now Neil Gorsuch's spokesman has come out and said this is exactly what Neil Gorsuch said. Now, here, here's where the big I told you so came, has, is, is going to come. Laura Ingram went on to Twitter and expressed, I wouldn't say it's anger, but dismay that Neil Gorsuch would say such things. And she says Pryor or Hardabin would have known better. And in fact, I I read the one tweet, but there was a couple tweets that she said about this and said something to affect Neil Gorsuch being one of the elites or something like this. I predicted this. I told you this a long time ago, well before the election. I told you that it wasn't going to be good enough for some people, for some conservatives, that – and those conservatives who are completely up Donald Trump's butt – that he nominates somebody conservative. They're going to expect that judge – to rule always in Donald Trump's favor to the point where they're going to embarrass themselves. Laura Ingram embarrassing herself. Mm. Neil Gorsuch said about his, what did she want him to do? What did she want him to do? Say nothing? Did she want a judge to defend the president? Is that what she... Is that what Neil Gorsuch should have done? The truth is, I guess, Laura Ingram has no problems with what Donald Trump said. I guess she believes that. Let's, let's um, talk about something. Let's talk about this. And there is an article at The Hill uh, by, I forget who it was, I didn't write it down. But let's not – once again, somebody who is obviously coming to the defense of Donald Trump is that, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he went after judges too. Presidents are allowed to criticize judges. I agree. It's, but it's not that. See, somebody who wants to break it down to the fact of, well, hey, hey, uh, everybody else has criticized judges, so uh, Donald Trump should be able to too. I agree. But I wouldn't say that's exactly what happened. Now, keep in mind, I mean, I'm saying this from the standpoint, I think that what Donald Trump did with his executive order was constitutional. 
I think that it's wrong, but it is certainly constitutional. And I think that this Ninth Circuit Court judge who issued this restriction on it to delay it is wrong. And it's, it's going to play itself out uh, from there. I want you to know, for the record, that's where I stand on this. And if, if uh, Donald Trump wants to get out there and say, of course, I disagree with this judge's decision, what I did, and he already did, he read the law out there, that would have been plenty. It's plenty. But that he goes to the point of saying, so-called judge... Well, what is, a, what is the difference between a so-called judge and a real judge? And see, this is the kind of language, I think once again, I think you have to get back to why this thinking occurs. And I think it starts with us. Once again, this is one of those issues where we've criticized judges for so long that we now get, got, have gotten to the point where too many conservatives support a, a president who would call a judge a so-called judge. And then other conservatives will come to the president's defense. This is uh, the concern I have about discourse in this country and where it was going to go with Donald Trump. You can see in Donald Trump's world, you can't disagree with somebody without making fun of the person and calling that person names. And every just about every conservative out there is now supporting that. That is not what the founding fathers wanted, even though they were nasty toward each other, too. I just got done talking about the rules of the Senate. What was it yesterday, the day before? There are rules to to stop people from getting in each other's faces and calling each other, you know, F-bombs and everything else regarding the Senate. Because that's not how work gets done. And it reminds people that they aren't there for themselves. They're there representing the citizens of the United States, whether they do it great or they do it badly. It's not about them. The problem is Donald Trump thinks, and I'm going to continue, I've said it for a long time, he thinks everything is about him. And that's why when these things happen, he takes this judgment, this decision by this judge personally, so he goes after that judge personally. Keep in mind, that judge probably would have stopped that no matter what Republican president it was, whether it's George W. Bush Ronald Reagan, Gerald Ford, Nixon, Eisenhower going the whole way back. Mm, That's just the way it is. You don't have, I'm not saying I like it, but it certainly doesn't help when you go after the guy personally because the guy's not going anywhere. You should have, Trump should have just stuck to what he ended up doing is reading the law and making the judge look stupid that way by sticking to the facts instead of getting personal. But with Donald Trump, everything starts out uh, with a personal shot. You know why? Because he gets attention doing that, and that's why a lot of people love him, and he knows it. And then there are people like Laura Ingram who won't say a word about – 
what Donald Trump called that judge, that that so-called judge. But she'll criticize Neil Gorsuch, who says, you know what, it's disheartening and demoralizing. A guy who just, you know, a couple days ago, everybody was raving about, and you know, the, the smart decision that Donald Trump's making regarding this selection. And now she's saying that Pryor and Hardiman would have known better. You mean Hardiman, the guy who's best friends with Donald Trump's sister? That Hardiman. Hmm? Are you saying, uh, Laura Ingram, that you don't like the Neil Scorsese pick? You think that Pryor or Hardiman would have been better picks back when Gorsuch got picked? Well, why didn't you say that back then? It's it's a little hard to figure out. Now, getting back to the criticism of judges, you know, it's 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 funny to me that whoever wrote this this Hill article in an effort to defend Donald Trump has to go the whole way back to to Abraham Lincoln to do it. And in these Lincoln, uh, the Lincoln Douglas debates or the Douglas Lincoln debates in 1858, I believe it was, and it had to do with slavery. To my knowledge, Abraham Lincoln didn't call any of these judges so-called judges. I mean, what you're essentially saying is the judge is a fake. I realize that he's not ruling the way you want, Donald Trump. And you know what? I'm right there with you. I think that the ruling is wrong. But I also know that that guy is in that capacity and there's nothing that you can you can do about it. And so there are other ways to try to convince people that what that guy did was wrong. It's a wrong decision other than calling him a so-called judge. I know what I if you know, I don't think this judge is going to do that, but I know what I'd say. You mean you so-called president who lost the popular vote by 3 million votes? Are you talking about me, the so-called judge? You're a so-called president. <laughs> oh, I, I right, right, right. It was a, it's a big voter registration scandal. I get it. I get it. I got it. Well, you stick stick into that. You keep sticking to that. And it also keep in mind. It also just shows you how far out of the way these defenders of Donald Trump will go. That they have to go back to slavery. To compare it in what Abraham Lincoln said about judges back then regarding slavery, to compare it to one executive order regarding people who aren't even American citizens that want to come in from other countries. Whereas slavery had been something that was around since the founding of the United States. Blowing things a little out of proportion here, don't you think? Just saying. But they are shameless. They are shameless. Uh, Neil Gorsuch is right. Donald Trump's statements uh, regarding that judge in the Ninth Circuit Court are disheartening and demoralizing. A president can disagree with a judge without getting personal. And that's what 
presidents have been doing for a long time. You know, it's amazing to me that now these people who are all defending Donald Trump, remember, remember uh, Barack Obama? What was it? Which one of the State of the Union addresses it was? When he attacked the Supreme Court, specifically the conservatives on the Supreme Court. And remember Sam Alito shaking his head. Remember that? Remember how that was so... uh, Barack Obama should have never done that. That was so wrong. But now they'll defend what Donald Trump did. And I told you this was going to happen. I think too many of you were under the impression that conservatives, these conservatives who you know so well, who you've followed for years... We're going to support Donald Trump. And then once he became president, you thought that they'd start being objective. I knew that wasn't the case, and I told you so. People's egos are too caught up in this. They take this stuff too personally. And they now can't admit that they got caught up in all this anti-Hillary stuff, so they have to just keep pushing it harder. That whatever Donald Trump does is right. If he says so-called judge, it's right. If he does this, it's okay. If he does that, it's okay. They, they'll even go to the point that one day they'll say that Neil Gorsuch is the greatest selection in the world simply because Donald Trump uh, did it. And then on the other hand, when Neil Gorsuch says something that opposes Donald Trump, Neil Gorsuch is suddenly the worst judge on the earth, except for, of course, that Ninth Circuit Court judge. All in defense of one guy who isn't worth defending. This is why I told you that for conservatism, Donald Trump is going to be worse than Hillary Clinton. And because it's worse for conservatism, it's worse for the United States. I know that that is hard, really, really hard to understand right now. I know it is. Because you're thinking, we're going to get this judge, and he's talking about rolling back these regulations, and he's doing this. Yes, I know. But this kind of behavior cannot continue for four years or eight years, and you think that this can all stick together. This kind of stuff has momentum. This kind of stuff, uh, it's no different than some kind of... uh, centrifugal machine just spinning like one of those machines uh, that separates blood from plasma or platelets or however that works. One of those things that they use after you donate blood spins around to separate the light stuff from the heavy stuff in your blood. You get too much mass in there. The thing will work for a while, but suddenly it'll getting the, the thing will get shaking and shaking more, shaking more, shaking more until the whole thing falls apart. This is the beginning of the shaking. Because it can't continue. Why? Because you have too many people who uh, are defending this guy who should know better. You have a president of the United States who wants to make personal attacks, sees nothing wrong with it, and it's it's his knee-jerk reaction to everything. And... Liberals are not stupid. We now know, now that Donald Trump has been out there present almost three weeks, we now know they're now figuring out where his weak spots are, and they are huge. 
and they're going to exploit them. They're going to figure out eventually, you know what, if we can keep these kinds of attacks that he has to, he feels like he has to respond to everything that we do in some personal attack, we can keep him busy for years. Because he feels the need, because he thinks that anything he doesn't respond to makes him look weak. Whereas really any man knows, or any, any real man knows, is that to be a man is you have to be able to separate the important stuff from the stupid stuff. That if in your life as a man, if you get caught up in attacking every slight, every, every you know, you end up being seen as petty. And that doesn't go f- very far with people. And you don't look very manly. That Donald Trump thinks it's manly what he's doing is part of the problem. He does not have a manly personality. That's why he has to do everything so big to make up for, I think, his inferiority complex that he carries around with him everywhere. And in those ways, he's like Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon couldn't let one attack on him pass. You know, I would say that George W. Bush was the exact opposite. He let everything pass, once again, I think to his administration's detriment. You have to find that fine line. You have to find it. Um, And it's hard to find. It's hard. So, all of this is a perfect illustration. Even though conservatives are getting what they want with Neil Gorsuch... What do you think is going to – once again, I'm going to ask you this question that I've been asking for at least six months. What's going to happen when Neil Gorsuch makes his first uh, decision that Donald Trump doesn't agree with? What's Laura Ingram going to say? What's Rush Limbaugh going to say? What's Sean Hannity going to say? And it's a conservative decision that that Donald Trump doesn't like. What are you all going to do? Where are your loyalties going to lie? And this is why I say this is when the crack up of this conservative – establishment that we've had for 25 years is going to start. It's already started, but it's going to really, really be exposed. i got to go to the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we are back at America's Conservative Podcast. It's fascinating. This, The way this is all played out, I realize that I'm man enough, speaking of being a man, I'm man enough to know that I've gotten some things wrong over the last year regarding Donald Trump. Uh, you live and you learn, I guess. I don't. I, I, once again, I don't feel so bad about getting the election wrong because people who study that stuff way more than I do and probably truthfully care about it way more than I do got it wrong. So I don't feel so bad about that. In looking back at what went on in the primaries, I now can look at and say, here's how I would have, you know, I misread some things, didn't understand, and I'm always willing to say that. And I think that that's through that that I can become a a more educated conservative. Mm. However, I think that on some of these things, though, I continue to be very right where other people said that my thinking would be wrong. 
and this Neil Gorsuch example and what has gone on in the last few days with Donald Trump and the so-called judge and everything and people coming to his defense and attacking Neil Gorsuch and expecting Neil Gorsuch to just get in line with the guy who's nominating him is proof of what I said was going to happen. The people said, oh, that's never going to happen. I, I, I'm still unsure why people convinced themselves that they would be able to be, uh, I guess, objective, I guess you could say, in being anti-Hillary and just voting for Trump and just saying, well, you know, the only reason I'm doing it is because uh, Hillary is running against him. And, and once he wins, I'm going to be as hard on him as I am on any president that I've ever voted for. Okay. But that's not really what has gone on, has it? In these past almost three weeks. That's not really what has gone on. And still, I'm sure if you all were to get in an argument with some of these people, if you're like me and you were saying, well, just imagine Hillary would have been worse. And no, 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 no. You told me before the election you were going to be objective with if he wasn't conservative enough and he didn't do this and do that, you were going to give him a hard time. You didn't say you were going to say, well, at least it's not Hillary. See, this is the problem that I had with this from day one. This is, once again, I, I keep bringing up this stripper example. It's no different than the guy believing that the stripper is going to be a fine, upstanding young woman as soon as she gets married. It's the same thing. She is who she is. You think because you, you made her your wife that things are going to change. That It's not. He's going to continue to be who he is. And I, I think the guy's who marry strippers end up learning that end up just accepting that their their wife is going to keep stripping much to their own detriment I might add not that I have anything against strippers just saying so I don't know I I I knew this kind of rationalization was going to happen I knew it was going to have to. Why? Not because of politics, because of human nature. Nobody ever wants to admit that they made a bad decision. That's too much for people's egos. That's why people don't learn lessons in life. And it takes several times before for most people learn lessons. Don't do this. Don't do that. They can't have it happen to them once. They have to have it happen to them like 10 times. Because we, get, we, we emotionally attach ourselves to our decisions. Where it should be, made a bad decision, I was wrong, going to change right away. You can see this in sports. You can see this in all sorts of things. Uh, with As players go from one uh, team to the other... You know, if uh, you're a Steeler fan and you hate the Ravens and they have some player, you hate him when he's on the Ravens. He's a dirty player. He, you know, he has five different kids by four different mothers and everything. But he comes to Sears. He's the best guy in the world. That Michael Vick, he killed those dogs. (laughs) 
paid him. I can't believe the Eagles would hire him, and he was such a horrible person playing for the Falcons. He comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everybody loves him. I hate that stuff. But this is exactly what's going on in politics now. No objectivity, just subjectivity. I voted for Donald Trump, and now I'm going to support him no matter what because I'm because I said I was going to be rational and objective. But now I start thinking about Hillary Clinton if she were president, and I just have to be happy uh, with whatever I get. Well, when you're happy with whatever you get, start accepting you're probably going to get nothing. So, and this is, uh, what, what is that called? The tyranny of low expectations. We now have a tyranny of low expectations uh, spreading across the United States when it comes to conservatism. We're so happy, conservatives are so happy that it's not Hillary that they'll just accept anything from Donald Trump. Yes, I know they got a, a justice that they like, but already they're coming to Donald Trump's defense instead of defending this guy that they're so happy to get. How do you, how do you, uh, it's crazy. And I knew it was going to happen. It's disgusting. Let's move on to something else. Cause I, could t- I could talk about that topic all day. I, I just hate it. I-, I just hate being subjective. I just want to have my principles and live by them. That's all I want to do. It's just amazing to me that most people aren't like that. You know, and being anti-Hillary is not a principle because that means anything other than Hillary is good. And that's not the truth either. Just Sessions got approved. And this is, once again, going to be a topic that I think the conservatives can learn a lot from. Uh, I think that we're now at the point where all of his nominations have been approved. Am I, am I missing that? Except, for, of course, for Neil Gorsuch. Which, uh, of course, he got not, he not picked later, so it's no surprise that it's like a different situation. But I think all of the executive branch appointees have been approved. I think. I don't know, but Jeff Sessions got approved. Not easily, but he made it. And I see that they're going. He's resigned his his uh, chair, his uh, office, a senator from Alabama, and. Uh, somebody's going to take his place. And in response to this, I think this is where uh, this post came from. There's a a friend of mine, and I know her because I've done some work with her for my other show, Unfound, my missing person show. And she knows that I'm a conservative. She knows that I do this show, and I know she admitted, you know, she's a crazy, wacky, that's how, those are my words. Crazy, wacky, liberal, and she's very proud of it. And she had this long post uh, on uh, on Facebook yesterday, long one. You might call it a rant about you know what the left needs to go do and what Democrats need to do. And she's really upset. I, I think the motivation for all of this is that the Democrats weren't successful in blocking any of Donald Trump's nominees so far. And that's true. And I guess that, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, I'll admit, I'm surprised every one of his nominees got through. I'm surprised. 
Now, the reason I'm surprised is probably different from the reason she's surprised. I'm surprised because I know some of these uh, people have flaws. And, you know, you'd think maybe one or two Republicans, even in addition, might peel off and not vote for one of them. I wouldn't have, although I don't know if I would have been necessarily happy or upset about it, but if Betsy DeVos, for example, wouldn't have gotten confirmed, I don't know if that would have surprised me. I don't know. I wouldn't have liked it. And I've talked about Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and all that, but uh, if she not gotten approved, then I, I'm hoping that there would have been somebody else that would have been nominated who would have been decent as well. And you know how I feel about the whole education department anyway. But I think the reason that this friend of mine who's a liberal is upset is because I think that she really wanted the Democrats to go absolutely to the wall and on all of these nominations and – that she expresses in that the liberals need to get off their butts. And, you know, see, I, I have a problem with that, but it's not so much. I mean, if liberals want to keep failing, I have no problem with that. It's just like I saw at redstate.com that, uh, you know, on one end, we wish Elizabeth Warren would shut up. But on the other hand, we're glad that she won't shut up. We wish she'd shut up because she's not doing the country any favors. But on the other hand, by her talking, she probably is doing the country some favors. You get into those kind of situations. It's, you know, it's a little bit of a paradox. It's You want her to talk, then you don't want her to talk. And when she doesn't talk, you wish she would talk. W- liberals have to understand something. And uh, I, I've never talked – I want you to know I've never talked to this woman about politics. We just know where each other – is on the political spectrum. We've never had an in-depth discussion about any political issue ever. Um, liberals have to start realizing that their problem is not that they're lazy. Uh, the reason that it's not laziness, the reason is not laziness that the Democrats have lost a thousand seats over the last eight years. That's not the reason. I, I maybe in a couple, maybe in a few of those races that they lost, but sure, certainly not in 25% of them or 50% of them and certainly not in 25% of them. Certainly not. Uh, the reason that liberals have lost those seats is because when people are subjected more and more to liberal ideas, the less they like them. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that liberals are ever going to admit. As I've told you, they're never going to admit they're wrong. Despite history showing that several of their ideas about how the world works are wrong, they're never going to change their ideas on that. Never. Never. They're always going to think it's, of course, if you're elitist, that you know, they're not doing enough. They're not getting the word out. Everybody in the, in the United States knows what liberalism is. It's taught in public schools every day. Some form of it. Mm-hmm. The problem is not 
the message and it's not even the messenger. It's, it's not the messaging. It's not the messenger. It's the message. It's the product you're trying to market. That's the problem. Mm. See, whereas I think with conservatives, see, I, I look at it this way. Going back to 2006 when the Republicans lost the House and the Senate, and it was George W. Bush's second term, and that was when the real estate market was falling apart and everything. The reason that the Republicans lost the House and the Senate was not because Republicans and conservatives were lazy. The reason they lost it is that people had had their fill of George W. Bush and his administration. That's why. And dare, dare I say it, probably the George W. Bush administration deserved it. I'm not saying the country necessarily deserved it, but certainly the George W. Bush's administration deserved it. And, and it, uh, for me, it has nothing to do with the um, – I think that it was a combination of the, the – the not understanding what was going on with the economy, that there was obviously this bubble. I mean, as a, just a regular citizen, I knew there was a real estate bubble in Las Vegas in about 2002. Now, why the administration didn't seem to know it and didn't seem to want to do anything about it and understanding what was going on here, uh, there, I don't know. I don't know. But then there was the Iraq war and, and a bunch of things. And I can understand why people wanted change, why they wanted something different, at least when it came to the Congress. And that's why you got Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid, and they ran the, the Congress for four years until 2010. I don't look at that loss in 2006 as laziness and people didn't want to get off their butts or anything else. So it's weird to me that I would hear a liberal talk about the same exact situation with Democrats and claim it's because they're not speaking out enough. They're not getting off their butts. They're not, you know, they're not working hard enough. They're playing, they're working plenty hard. They're building fires in Berkeley. They're breaking windows. They're rioting. They're, they've been um, going on, uh, Demonstrating in the streets, Black Lives Matter, hands up, don't shoot, that lie, on and on and on. It seems like they have plenty of energy. It's just that people have rejected it. Why? Because of what those people are selling. It's not the message. (laughs) It's not the message. It's like New Coke. Remember, you're probably too young to remember New Coke. Remember New Coke back in the day. The problem was not the messaging with New Coke. It was the product. The, the situation was people didn't want Coke to change. They wanted the good old red and white can, the way it tastes. They like it. No reason to change. It was the product. That's the way I look at liberalism. And the more people are subjected to it, the more people hate it. And dare I say it, what happened in 2006 was, I would say, is that the George W. Bush administration wasn't conservative enough. And I've told you on and on, George W. Bush, Karl Rove, the rest of them, they are not conservative. They are what they call compassionate conservatives. They are big government conservatives, which is just another word for liberalism. 
even though I think George W. Bush is a good guy, and if I was in a foxhole somewhere, George W. Bush would probably be a good guy to be in a foxhole with because I think he's a, he's a brave guy. I think he's a good guy. Don't think I want to be in a foxhole with Donald Trump. Now, what can we as conservatives learn from this? Now, I know that's not what liberals see. They think that the mess- their messaging, they need to work harder, their product uh, has no problems. Whereas our product is just fine. Our product has been tested by history. The problem that we have, and this maybe goes back to Neil Gorsuch, Laura Ingram, and, and all of that talk that I had in the middle part of this show, is that we have selected the wrong messenger, and our messaging stinks. Ours messaging is the one that truly stinks because we've put it in the hands of the wrong person. It would be like going back to, the, to Coca-Cola, them using trying to market regular Coke, the good old-fashioned, everybody likes Coke, and having some little out-of-nowhere marketing firm come up with an ad campaign for it. I think our messaging is old. This is why I continue to say that uh, that conservatism. I think that the problems that conservatives have had in messaging in the last twenty five years have culminated in George in Donald Trump, a guy. We've gotten to the point where we now have a guy who hasn't lived a conservative day in his life now being the head of conservatism, allegedly, and so many conservatisms liking it. You wouldn't have thought that 20 years ago, you would have never thought that possible. But it's happening. And if conservatism does not win out the day, despite all these regulations that are allegedly going to be turned back and everything... um, it would be easier to get excited, get excited about and probably easier for the American people to understand if you didn't get the feeling that the only reason it's being done is because the guy in charge, Dar- Donald Trump, just otherwise doesn't know what to do. You know, it's hard to square... If he's going to call himself conservative, putting up all these trade barriers, but at the same time, uh, lowering regulation, people are going to get that that's conser- idea that that's conservatism, and it's not. Once again, this hurts the messaging of the product. But nobody seems to be bothered by that once again because everybody then all everybody defaults to what well, could have been Hillary Clinton. Yes, it could have been. But maybe then, once again, we would have had a chance to show uh, what the product is and message it in the right way. And and hopefully, we would have had better messengers than Donald Trump regarding all of this. (coughs) But that's not the way it went. I'm I'm still convinced that conservatives don't know what the problem is. They're putting uh, their faith in a guy who's not conservative. 
Too many of them are buying into these ideas that China and Mexico are ripping us off. That hurts the overall brand, and all it does is make liberals stronger. Because they're not lazy. They're going to see, once again, it's just a few weeks into his administration. They're going to figure this out. They're going to figure out the weaknesses. Uh, Now, how they can exploit it, I don't know. But they will. They're going to figure out that once they get past all the hysteria that Donald Trump's going to, to cause Armageddon, they're going to figure out that Donald Trump is really not actually conservative. And once they figure that out and they figure out he has this thin skin, they're going to be able to move him in any direction that they want. This is why I asked my buddy Dave, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, what would you rather have? Donald Trump with the Democrat Senate, Democrat Congress, or Hillary Clinton with a Republican Congress. I don't think I'm going to give anything away here by saying he said he'd rather have Hillary Clinton with a Republican Congress. Me too. Me too. Why? Because Donald Trump is more likely to cave than a Republican Congress is. As much as Republican Congress has been made fun of the last six years, I've always thought that that was totally all overblown. Once again, by conservatives who are selling unrealistically high expectations, who now their expectations are anybody but Hillary. Suddenly they had all these high expectations for John Boehner and Mitch McConnell back in the day. But now their only expectation is, well, at least he's not Hillary. Man, these people are hard to figure out. Hard to figure out and hard to be consistent. And the reason that is is because they aren't. They aren't. And I I still say that this this momentum is growing regarding all of this. This this, um, paradoxes and ironies that will eventually grow and get out of control. And it's going to further empower liberals. I continue to believe that, but I got to go. You can email me, edwarddensordreagan.com. Find this show at Podomatic and iTunes. It's called America's Conservative Podcast, Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. Eastern, on the Prime Channel, or 9 p.m., yeah, 9 p.m., on redstatetalkradio.com. My other show, Unfound, Missing Person Show. Find it at iTunes and Podomatic. Um... What else? I have a new episode coming out tomorrow. Not sure what it's going to be, but it's coming out tomorrow. And that's about all I got. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast.